Abba Father, thank you for unfailing love. Thank you for the mercy that is made new every morning. You truly are faithful. It is written that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you. Those you accept, you in no wise cast out. And I ask for a lot of wisdom right now as we look at chapter 19 of your word. You promise there's a special blessing for those who read it. And we're going to do that. And help us to know and experience that, please. Thank you. And I'm asking now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, Revelation chapter 19. I want to look at a block 1 to 8 um, out of the New American Standard Translation. And this is how the text reads. It reads, After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many water, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Wow. Hey, David, glad you're here. Let's focus on these first eight verses. And there's a lot here. We'll, we'll try to dig into the key theological ideas uh, in a way that, that helps us really understand the text. So, to begin, um, John is writing that he hears a loud voice of a great multitude. This is an innumerable, vast host. These are believers, myriads of people. And they are saying in a song-like way, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Okay, quick uh, pop quiz on a little basic Hebrew. What does the, the word hallelujah mean? You can come at it literally, or, or what do you think? What does hallelujah mean? Great joy. 
good stuff, which is actually related, absolutely. But there's something really specific. It's um, um, Janice, I think it may have been you. Did you say something? You're pop quizzing me. Well, come on, Janice. To me, it just means hallelujah, praise to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Okay, good stuff. You're getting close. Almost, almost. It's actually really specific. Anybody? Praise Yahweh? Yes, exactly. Um, but to even be a little more accurate, that means praise Yehovah. Jehovah, yeah. So uh, this idea of Ale uh, is to make high, to make, uh, to magnify, to bring it up, to praise it, okay, up. To make high, and Yah is uh, a, a, a diminutive of Jehovah, Jehovah. So specifically, Alleluia means praise Jehovah. Now, and we all we all got at it. Okay, praise God, praise the Father. Yes, it's all there, Janice, Terry. Yes, it's the joy that He brings, and we praise Him joyfully. Sure. But it specifically means praise Jehovah. And of course, we know, Jennifer, that Jehovah is Yahweh. Yahweh is his, his personal or memorial name. Yeah, so that's what hallelujah means. So praise God. Praise Jehovah. Praise Yahweh. Uh, and then he describes that salvation and glory and power belong to our God. All right, now. Um, can, can we do a very brief counseling session just for a little bit? Okay. Uh, if you're like me, uh, life's hard, okay? Life can be exhausting. Um, and if you're like me, and I'm going to get transparent, I, I can have a, um, a real high justice, high law mindset sometimes, and I can find something wrong with anything. I can walk into a $10 million home and in five seconds, I'm in the foyer, Bruce, and I'm seeing every wall is out of plumb, and there's bows in it, and well, the, the mason guy messed up there. That's not how the mortar goes. I'm in a $10 million gorgeous estate, and I'm finding something wrong with it. I walk in the door. I can spot it. I've got that brain. It's critical. It's frustrating. High law, high justice. And you know what I'm prone to because of that? Discouragement. I'm prone to uh, feeling that things are unfair. I know in a crowd of this size, no one has ever felt like life is unfair, right? Okay, let's get honest. We're there. We are there. COVID is unfair. What it's done to our economy, what it's done to our government, our nation, we could go on and on and on. I could tell you a really, really good joke about COVID right now, a really good joke about COVID, but 99.62 of you won't get it. Really good joke. Say it anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. <laughs> yeah. Life, man, it is just not fair. Thank you, Janice. <laughs> Thank you. You will use that one. I, I know you will. You will. Uh, okay, so do we secretly have a capacity for bitterness? Dundee? in a secret place that nobody knows about. Can we go a little deeper? 
Anybody here secretly mad at God? In a secret place? We're not allowed to verbalize it. But we can be a little put out with Yahweh. We really can. But it's a secret place, and we rarely go there. We feel it sometimes. All right, now I'm setting you up to appreciate what the author, what John is saying. Look at this. He just said at the end of verse 1, Hallelujah, praise Jehovah, because salvation and glory and power belong to God. And look how they describe what he has done. His judgments are true and righteous because he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Now you drop yourself back to the first century world where persecution is horrific and you got that report. Would that be? Would it mean something to you, that the blood of the saints is being saints is being vindicated? Oh yeah. Does it maybe clear up something inside of us that we think God is unfair, and maybe He doesn't judge righteously, <laughs> true, wise, and valid judgments, righteous judgments? Have we ever had a secret thought that maybe? Like the movie Bruce Almighty, you know, maybe we could do a better job running the universe. Yeah, I think so. It's a secret place that we rarely go to, right? A secret place we don't want to talk about. But the fact is, these Christians in Asia Minor are hurting. Life is very, very hard. Life is very unfair. Some of them are no unrelenting poverty. And they know that because they're being uh, sanctioned out of the trade guilds. They're not allowed in. Uh, Kirby, you're an electrician. Um, the, the, the local electrician's trade guild, the association, you're kicked out. Because you, I know, <laughs> because you refuse to go to the annual banquet where you are required to worship the God assigned to the electrician's trade guild. And because you won't eat that meat sacrificed to the idol, you are not playing on the team, and you're out. So now Kobe, you know, Kirby's trying to find a job, and nobody's hiring because he's a marked man. He's acting like an atheist, a non-believer in the trade guild. So he can't feed his family. Rome gives a ration of corn to the poor. Somehow you're not getting your ration of corn like all the other folks are getting. You know? <laughs> it's hard. It's hard on these people. And it's absolutely brilliant that John says, in the end, God's judgments will be seen not as mistakes, as oversights, as ways that he's neglected a few things here and there. No, 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 no. True and righteous. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. And the great harlot, of course we know that's code. Code for what? Rome. Rome. And what's this code? Her immorality. What's that? That's code for what? Uh, the sins of Rome. The, the society as it stands. Uh, the corruption. Uh, blatant disregard for life. 
Mm -hmm. Take your pick. Yeah, yeah. Sure, Kirby. What did you say? Yeah, and so in summary, it's military domination, economic domination, and religious domination. The forced worship of the emperor, for example. Okay, that is her immorality. That she's literally corrupting and dominating the world order at that time by getting uh, people uh, to network in and be enslaved to the Roman machine, the economic, religious, political, and military machine, yeah. And uh, Ben Witherington said, said that there were up to 60 million slaves that were required to run the Roman Empire, uh, that kind of domination, yeah. Okay, and then a second time, it says, there's four, four hallelujahs here. Uh, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. In other words, she's judged, and Rome will never oppress religious, economic, political, military oppression, never again. Uh, and remember, Rome, like Craig Keener and other scholars say, Rome, uh, also known as Babylon, also known as the harlot, also known as the whore, she's just representative of a dominant world power. That's what this is, okay? It's going to stop. Uh, and the 24 elders, the four living creatures, they fell down and worshipped uh, God who sits on the throne. And again, they said, hallelujah. And, you know, you and I are on earth. We're not there. You hear that word and we don't get goosebumps, you know, and, and we kind of sitting here just kind of chilling. But, but if we could appreciate this context and being there, the word hallelujah would take on meaning that would it blow our minds. And a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to God. And look, look how he describes this myriad, this innumerable, innumerable host of people. Uh, give praise to God, bond servants. And then it says, you who fear him, the small and the great. I'm so grateful for that language. It doesn't describe, Terry, the, the, these Christians as those who never sin, <laughs> those who never stumble, those who never struggle with doubts, the flawless, the well-muscled spiritually. He says, no, those who serve, those who fear him, even the small ones and the great ones. I, I see grace. I, I, I see beautiful grace because I'm on the small end of that spectrum, okay? Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude again, like the sound of many waters and like the sound of a pe mighty peals of thunder saying, hallelujah for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Okay, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Okay, uh, Janice, get ready. I need everybody to help. Um, uh, Tammy, I need you to help here. I want to look at our translations. There's a couple of technical things that we've got to we've got to settle here. Uh, a quick review of uh, Jewish culture in in marriage. This is interesting. That um, uh, let us rejoice. Uh, the Lamb has come. 
and his bride, his bride. That is actually uh, the word gune, okay, in Greek. It's, it's the, the base word for gynecology, uh, gune, and it literally translates as wife. If you look at Ephesians 5.23, wives, you know, submit yourselves, and it's, it's gune, okay? The word marriage is gamos, all right, gamos. These are the words, uh, the bride, uh, we ha you have the gamos, the marriage, the gamos of the lamb has come and his gune has made herself ready. Uh, just a little bit about, about Jewish culture. You're well aware that uh, there was a betrothal that took place in Jewish culture and that betrothal agreement could have happened when the little girl, the little boy were really young or it could be toward the adolescent or young adult years. And uh, literally a, a wedding, wedding prices were paid on both sides to make both parties secure, a dowry and uh, those kinds of things to, uh, to strike a business deal between the two families, right? And do you know what they were called? They were not allowed to, have to physically consummate their marriage. That usually took place at a, in about a year out. Do you know what they were called during that year, that betrothal period? Bruce? No, I'm just trying to breathe. Okay, I know, I know. <laughs> I get panic disorder when yeah. I put these things on. Anybody know what they were legally called during the betrothal period? Absolutely, husband, husband and wife, that was it, yeah. They were legally husband and wife, even though their marriage, their relationship was never physically consummated. Uh, we as Americans, and even we as Christians, believe that the, the, the honeymoon somehow makes it real. Now we got a real marriage, there's physical consummation. But in Jewish culture, no, 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 that didn't make it real. It was real a year earlier because of betrothal. It was real. And she's not a girlfriend who's engaged. She's a wife. He's not, he's not the lucky guy that's getting the girl and got, you know, got her the ring engaged. No, he's the husband, okay? There's grace in that because there's a waiting period. And this is the idea, you know, we're waiting. <laughs> we're on earth, we're waiting. It's a long year, is it not? It's a long year, but there will come a time when we will experience the marriage of the Lamb. And that is grace. And the bride has made herself ready. Now get ready, it's going to get a little technical for a bit. Um, it was given to her. Does the bride earn her clothes or is she given those clothes? <laughs> what do you think? Given. Given, absolutely. Okay, you ready? Let's work through it. It's gonna get challenging. It's gonna get technical. Uh, the fine linen that she's given is bright and clean. And we actually get a definition. And by the way, when this happens in Revelation, appreciate it. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Ta dukayomata. The righteous acts of the saints. That's what the clothes are. What is your translation? I want us to pay attention to the righteous acts of the saints. Uh, who has a translation that differs 
from the New American Standard on the screen. Anybody? I have James. What, what does it say? King James, which verse? Um, verse 8, the last clause in verse 8. Okay. Um, and she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The righteousness of the saints, of the saints, okay? Anybody else a different translation, David? Mine, it said, uh, she will be committed to her dress in fine linen, dazzling white and clean, for the fine linen signifies righteous acts of the saints. In the brackets, the ethical conduct, personal integrity, moral courage, and godly character of the Lutheran. Okay, good, good. Someone else? Anybody show anything different? Curiously different. Jennifer, what do you have? I have ESV. It just says righteous deeds of the saints. Okay, okay. So there's a question. There's an issue at hand, and here it is. It can be translated for the fine linen is the righteous acts for the saints. Not of the saints. So, so Janice and, uh, and David, what you just read, so your, your translation, they supply a comment suggesting that it's of the saints. In other words, these Christians have behaved like good Christians and they've earned those righteous, bright, clean linen garments. But That's how I understand it. Exactly, but it, all, but it can be translated, it's the righteous acts for the saints. For example, is it not reasonable? Let's put it in context, right? That's what Justin Allison would want us to do. Context, context, context. That look at what God has done, right? He has judged truly. He's judged righteously. He's judged the great enemy, all right? And he has avenged the blood of his servants, uh, 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 the blood of those who have been martyred. Murders. Uh -huh. Could it actually be translated as both? The righteousness of the saints and the righteousness for the saints. In context, Janice, uh, uh, the answer is yes. I was thinking the same thing. It's more on the fact that they, they stood fast and held fast their faith. Yeah. And they, yeah. they, they did what God commanded them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the face of the, what was happening, and that's why they were permitted to wear them. Yeah. Because they actually did follow God yeah. and God's commandments. Yeah, yeah. And there's tension here. Uh, one of my professors, a brilliant scholar from Great Britain, Doctor Reginald Barnard, wrote a, a book called "The Held and the Holding." the held and the holding. In other words, there are some of us that have this mindset that we're being held. It's like God is reaching down and he's holding us, okay? He's holding me up. And so the hand is coming down to hold Chris Perry. He's weak. It's called grace. But then you have the holding, you know, the held and the holding, where it's like, I've got I to work hard. I've got to reach up and I've got to grab him. But which one is it? Who's holding on to who? <laughs> okay? The held and the holding is what, what Dr. Barnard was was teaching on and the fact is the scriptures they give a mixed message here don't they absolutely 
Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 if you could forgive the simplicity of my illustration, but if you take a coin, it has two sides, but it's one coin. Let's borrow that. Let's make a jump. Uh, do you think that it is God that does the initiating work that gets us to the point where we're saved and we're born again? Isn't that a God thing? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely a God thing. We are saved by grace through faith. That's one side of the coin. What's the other side of the coin? Faith without works is dead. Okay? So the held and the holding. Yes. <laughs> faith without works is dead. We're saved by grace through faith. Put them together. What do you get? It's called being born again. It's also called discipleship. Okay? And so, yes, you see that. So, Janice, we can translate this theologically that these righteous acts are of the saints who stayed faithful and didn't sign a certificate. And I'm being literal, people. They actually had certificates of loyalty to the Caesar. They didn't sign the document, even under torture. They held fast, sailor. They held fast. Those are the righteous acts of the saints. But it's also the righteous acts for the saints. The robes that are dipped in blood, the blood of Jesus made clean. Whose blood is it? Jesus. It's his blood that makes us righteous. Yeah, it's not our own. Okay, let's look yes. at this. Go ahead, Janice. You're going to say something? Or I'll say. Okay. Uh, kind of connecting with all of that. So I think of passage in the Old Testament, and maybe you can remember where it is, where it says our righteousness is like, filthy rags yeah, right yeah, yeah so that's before the blood of jesus mm -hmm. so i see a beautiful fulfillment here it's not like that we earned it exactly but it's like because of his righteousness and his cleansing we get to be part of it yeah. we get to do this yeah. so it's not possible without him it wouldn't be bright and clean yeah. without him filthy rags but thanks to him so it is, it, so it is that, that combination of both. Yeah, Thanks yeah. to him, we're able yeah. to array ourselves and clean and we're able to give, present ourselves to him clothed yeah. in righteous acts. Isn't I love beautiful? that. Love yeah, him. yeah, it's totally beautiful. And, and it's a very appropriate time to say the word hallelujah, right? Thanks mm -hmm. to him, hallelujah, right. because he accomplished that. And, and you, then, you feel this bit of gratitude. He's like, Lord, what can I do? Nothing I do is good enough. And he's like, that's yeah. okay, still. Yeah. I mean, yes. the, the works are a gift to him. Yes. And, and we do have enough responsibility because it says the bride made herself ready, clothed herself. We get to have participation, yes. even though it's not our power. That makes sense. Yeah, it really does, Jennifer. It makes perfect sense. And uh, um, Pastor Chris, yeah. I totally agree with Jennifer that, um, yes, our robes are washed in his blood. That's what makes us righteous our righteousness is filthy rags that we do have something to do with it if we make ourselves ready we study yeah. the word yeah. we um you know commit ourselves to this way of life i do agree yeah. with jennifer oh absolutely you know, it's like the, remember the ten virgins by the way that was a marriage uh ritual the ten virgins the game was uh the bride, the wife didn't know when her husband was going to sneak up on her and sweep her off her feet and take her to the bed, the bed chamber. Yeah. And so the game was uh, her girlfriends, 
would watch, and it was a who can find who first game. And the husband and his buddies would try to sneak up on the girls, and the bride and her girlfriends would try to catch them doing it, and whoever would yell first would win, and it's a fun thing, and then they would consummate their marriage. And Jesus said, you know, of the ten virgins, what happened? What did five do? No oil. No oil. They didn't trim the wicks, and they didn't have backup oil. So you're right, Janice. Faith without works is dead. It's, Jennifer, it's like what, what Jesus taught in Luke. Uh, he who is forgiven much loves much. And if we think we're morally squeaky clean people and there wasn't a whole lot for God to forgive in me, I'm such a good, lucky God, he gets me, then I'm going to love very little. Yeah. Look at verse 9, uh, this next block here in, in the... I'll be mindful of the time. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. That's powerful language. These are the true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do that. It's emphatic in Greek. Don't do that. Stop. For I am a fellow servant of yours and your brother's who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wow. That's amazing. Pastor Chris, uh -huh. I have a little bit of a question about that. Because okay. it sounds to me like, you know, he says, I am thy fellow servant. Yep. This is an angel of God. Yes. So obviously it's not God. He is equivalent, not necessarily equal to, but equivalent of who we are in relation to God. He doesn't want us to worship the angels. He wants us, he wants us to worship God. Yes. And these are God's sayings. He's just telling the story. Yes. Yes. So I love the way Craig Keener puts it, uh, Janice. Craig says, and by the way, the Greek here is really beautiful. Um, it is soon doulos. You've heard of doulos, right? A servant, right? Bond servant, servant. Okay, real common. But if you put the letters S-U-N or S-Y-N in front of that, soon, soon doulos, you're saying we're co-servants. We, we serve together. We're fellow servants, soon doulos. And that's the word he uses. We're soon do lost together. And the idea here, this is what Keener says, Janice. He says, these angels are servants of God and they proclaim the gospel from heaven. We are servants of God and we proclaim it from earth. And that's a real good way of putting it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, real good way of getting at it, isn't it? Okay. And uh, what, what is this who hold to the testimony of Jesus? This is uh, code for the gospel. And the message of Jesus that you do not compromise you stay the course and you live by the principle that Jesus lived by and you tell the story of his death and his resurrection okay and I saw the heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war Verse 12 says that his eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns or diadems. 
and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Can you imagine what that name is? Jesus has a name that only Jesus knows. It's a very special name. Maybe one day we'll know it. What do you think? He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's emphatic in Greek, the Word of God, yeah. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Can you see the invading army? Yeah, with, with myriads of white horses as the mounts for these soldiers, these warriors. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, so this is pretty powerful stuff. Uh, let's a, a couple things about white horses. Uh, in this time, in this era in history, a white horse is considered a superior breed, a superior horse. A white horse was the appropriate mount for a king, for a ruler, for a dignitary, but especially for a, a, a warrior coming in from victory, a triumphant commander of an army that won would ride white horses as they parade into Rome, all right? And that was something Rome did frequently. And it was also uh, a habit that their captors, like the enemy king, would be paraded behind uh, a chariot pulled by white horses. Yeah. It was a way of showing domination and to humiliate the conquered nation. This is the language. Now, uh, it's also true that the one enemy that Rome feared were, the, were those from Parthia. The Parthians were a fierce, fierce warrior people and they were masters of archery uh, on horseback. And they actually, there was a strategic battle where they beat Rome, and Rome was shaking in her boots over the Parthians, which would come from the east. And this language is similar to a Parthian king riding majestically on a white horse. They were known for their breeds of white horses with colorful, uh, uh, colorful armor uh, draped over the horses, the war horses. So this is something that would be a terror to Rome. And that's the whole point. That this, this evil world system, this beast, Babylon, is the one who has dominated, but now will be dominated. Okay? And on his robe and on his thigh was a name written. Bruce, I think he has a tattoo. I'm, I'm not sure. But I, I thought of you. I thought of you, Bruce. You know, Jesus has got a tat, dude. So, are you okay? <laughs> I need to go think about that. Yeah, you need to think about that one. <laughs> and if he wants one, it's, it's just fine by me, right? Um, all right, let's, let's do this last block. Um, verse 17, um, we, read, we read this. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, 
so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who prophesied, who performs the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone and the rest were killed with a sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Horrific uh, imagery that actually would not be uncommon at a battle scene in the Greco-Roman world. Scavenger birds. Yeah, absolutely. What is the sword that... Uh, go ahead, Janice. What's uh, I, I have a question. Okay. Go ahead. No, Chris, I did not. Oh, you did not have a question. I'm sorry. Okay. I thought I, uh, I, thought I heard you say that. Okay. So this, this language is very harsh. The imagery is very brutal. But it is also the end result for those who reject the Son of God. For those who reject the gospel. What do you think the sword is? What do you think is really going on here? The sword... It's the truth of God. Absolutely. Of God. Yeah. It's it's the Holy Bible. Yeah. It's the word He's given us. Jesus yes. is the Word of God. Yes. So yes. Um, that is the sharp sword that cuts asunder flesh and bone and marrow. It yeah. strikes 4. us to our center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, Janice. So this isn't so much about Jesus literally coming in on a literal horse with a literal sword just chopping up people. That's not really what's going on here. It is the judgment of the gospel, those who have accepted and born again and those who have not, and those who have rejected Jesus, rejected the gospel and chose to take the mark of the beast, which means to be embedded and networked into the Roman system of idolatry and oppression. They will experience separation from God and the judgment of hell. That's what's going on. Very intense, I know. Very intense. Okay, how do we pull Revelation chapter 19 from 2,000 years back in that culture? How do we pull this into our world today so that it would make a difference in our lives? There's chapter 19, 1 to 8. The fourfold hallelujah, praise to Jehovah, to Yahweh. Chris, there's going to be an account. Yeah. Isn't that what it all boils down to? Yes, sir. You get down the brass tacks? Yes, sir. It's coming. Either you believe or you yeah. don't. Yeah. And yeah. you've made that decision. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. 
And it's re- it's really simple, Terry, because um, being sinless, being sinless doesn't get me into heaven. Being sinful doesn't, therefore, doesn't get me into hell. Do you understand the logic of that? Being sinless does not qualify me for heaven. Being sinful does not qualify me for hell. Why do we go to hell? Well, Pastor, none of us are sinless. That's the point. We are all sinful. All have sinned, um, yeah. But heaven's going to be full of sinners that have been forgiven. That's the point. Oh. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Jesus. Sinners we never really stop sinning even though we're saved mm-hmm. and given salvation. We still fall. We still make mistakes. We still sin, mm-hmm. not necessarily meaning to, but Christ's blood covers us. It, it, our intentional sins, we should know and we should repent of. Mm-hmm. But um, just because we've been forgiven doesn't make us perfect. It only, and I know this is a cliche, only makes us forgiven. Sure. Um, sure. So, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but I do believe it. As long as we are still trying to have relationship with Jesus and walking with him and learning from him and understanding what he requires of us, we don't get that as babies eating or drinking milk. We only get that as we grow and go from milk to meat. Mm-hmm. Do we understand, even though we're still sinners or sinful, our forgiveness is complete yes. in Christ's sacrifice for us? That's good, Janice. Uh, Terry, during this great accounting, there's going to be a book that's opened. What's the, what's the book, Janice? Or Janice? The Book of Life. And anyone whose name is not in the book of life will be judged. Yeah. So, Philip? I have two thoughts. Um, first, uh, one has to do with the bride. Um, a vast multitude, uh, they don't know how many people have lived on the earth, but I just read a speculation that they said about 108 billion people have probably lived on the earth. And let's just say 10% of that were believers. So that's already 10 billion people that we know that are in heaven. Yeah. We can't fathom that number. That's yeah. a ton of people. Yeah. And I get goosebumps just thinking about all of them in unison saying one word. Wow. I can't imagine that's going to shake the heavens. It's going to shake the earth. <clears throat> Sound like thunder. And, uh, and yet uh, it doesn't give God enough justice. You know, yeah. he'll be pleased with it, but it's that vast act of worship is still really small yeah. in the glory of God, but it is giving him glory. Yeah. And so that's uh, yeah. a beautiful vision to see. Absolutely, and that's so good. Also the bride. Uh, I'm not married, but I'm imagining anyone who has been, um, the preparation of getting married, the day of marriage is one of the most beautiful days in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And you lead up to it and you prep for it. You make sure that the bridal party is arranged. You make sure that the venue is set and that the, 
the bride is well dressed and the groom doesn't get to see her and all that. You know, it's a beautiful ceremony that leads up to it. And that's what the church is doing now. You know, we're getting the bridal party in order. We're making sure that the feast is ready. We're prettying ourselves and we're going to be a really pretty bride. Absolutely. She's beautiful. beautiful and, She's beautiful. Um, yeah. I love seeing marriages now because it's the yeah. ultimate consummation of love that we know here. Yeah. But that's what we get to look forward to. Yeah. You know, Philip, when you frame that in to Ephesians 5, you know, Paul does this kind of double talk, right? He's going, talking about a man and a woman. He goes, no, I'm not talking about the, bride, the, the church and Jesus. But I'm talking about marriage, but I'm talking about the church, you know? And the answer is yes. It, it's a blended idea, which is beautiful. Um, this is 9 to 16. Uh, the authority of Jesus, um, eyes like a flame of fire, a head with many crowns. Uh, which is a polemic against Rome, certainly, and all her kings and client kings, and the name that only he knows. Cannot imagine what that would be. But he's the word of God, full authority. And uh, on his robe and on his thighs, the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Another polemic against Rome. And then the last flock, 17 to 20. Yeah, Judgment, harsh judgment. Uh huh. Um, the name I didn't thought of this before. The name that no one knows but himself is that a sign of his own sufficiency? Because usually a name is given you by somebody. Yeah, that's really good, Jennifer. Yeah, some other person greater than you gives you your name, your mom or your dad. Uh, in this instance, only he knows it. Yeah, that would be a I think a very wise observation that it is the language of the all-sufficiency of Christ. That's really good, Jennifer. Yeah. Anybody else um, here of these three blocks and how do we pull this into our world today? I have one more. Yeah. I get excited about this chapter. There was a time <laughs> in my life I was struggling with a lot of fun things and yeah. I came across this and it's just one of those worship moments. But... Um, I mean, for one thing, I always pictured Revelation, there's so much conflict. And as mm -hmm. a kid growing up, I just pictured, okay, okay, got to be ready. But it does talk about verse 14, the armies of heaven are raided, fine linen, white, pure, falling in white horse. Of course, it's great. But when you get to um, verse 21, how are they slain? This, this huge army arrayed against him. They were slain by the sword that came from his mouth. The army... It doesn't say what they did. They were there looking great, I guess. <laughs> and Jesus did it all. Yes. That's well spoken, Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. The following. Jennifer, Go ahead. What I see is that, yes, the armies of heaven pile up behind him and are there for just because of his sacrifice, we are there to show that we've been sacrificed or been, you know, covered by his sacrifice. But only God can change the rule of this earth, which is ruled by Satan. So it's only Christ alone, God alone, that can make that change. We are there to witness. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's good, Janice. That's good. 
Anybody else on how this applies to us today? Okay. I want to pray, and we're going to get our hearts ready to take the Lord's Supper. Abba Father, thank you so much for mercy that goes beyond defining and that our our souls, like a dirty garment, are washed and made clean by the blood of the Lamb. And like your servant Paul, we want to be found in your Son, not found in righteousness that we've generated, which would be horrible, but absolutely found in your Son, Jesus. You have transferred us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son. Thank you. We say in our hearts, Alleluia. In his name we pray, amen. You've got your Lord's Supper supplies. Um, let's open up the bread. So Jesus said in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat all of you. Let me pray, Abba Father, we take this bread to remember you and proclaim the death of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let's take the bread. In like manner, after supper, he took the cup and he said, This is the blood of the new covenant. Take from it, all of you, drink. And as long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim his death. Abba Father, we drink the cup as a reminder of the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the cup. Um, could you pray for us? Do you mind? Before, tell us about your dad, though. How is he? Oh, uh, well, I don't, you know, dad, uh, how long ago was it? Three weeks ago? Three weeks ago, uh, he, his dad's got esophageal cancer, first of all. So he was, uh, initially, they told us stage four. And then they told us stage three slash four. I didn't know there was such a thing. And there's three A, three B, three C, four, you know, depending on um, um, where it's metastasized to. But um, dad had a tumor in his esophagus and that's gone. So he went through some serious chemotherapy and some radiation. And the doctor said it looks like a baby's bottom half there. So it looks really good. He, there is some concern that he had some uh, metastasizing to the, is it medial stinal? Um, somebody help me out here. I think it's medial stinal uh, lymph nodes okay. next, next to the esophagus. And they look a little odd, just a little. And so, uh, so he, he, he was taking more chemotherapy and just, uh, it was killing him. 
really just killing and uh, blood pressure was 86 over 45 just you know, couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't take it and so he couldn't eat couldn't you know just just totally messed up and so uh, he's not on chemotherapy anymore he decided to uh, with the doctor's blessing uh, and uh, back off and Back off for a month now. Mm -hmm. He yeah. So he he backed off once for five or six weeks after the doctor, the uh, uh, gastroenterologist said, "Hey, you, you look good. Your esophagus looks great." Which that took to mean I'm healed. And so uh, he backed off for a while, went back into Cartier, and got his rear end chewed out because he hadn't been back in. So he started treatment again, did three more treatments, and then uh, as of three four weeks ago said. I'm not, you know, I'm going to take a long break. So he's taking a long break. And he seems to be doing fine. So um, I think that's, he bought a red truck. He bought a, a newer red. I went with him to test drive. And my dad is a short guy. We, we don't look like we go together. And uh, I go to family reunions and they go, are you sure? You know, when I walk in, I said, dad, dad gets in this big red truck and test drives it. And he hasn't driven in months and he's weak as a cat when he's in this you know and so we, we pull up we go to their house and uh, I get out of my side and dad gets out of his side and I hear a little noise and I go around and he is sitting with his legs sprawled out on the uh, running board and I said what are you doing he goes this thing's kind of hard to get out of he's just falling down he goes, oh, no. <laughs> so anyway he got a red truck for his 80th birthday and, and uh, he's Doing okay. Uh, those online, uh, you perhaps didn't hear that, but Bruce's father uh, is battling cancer and has, re has recovered a lot of his health and, and been in remission a bit. There's still some problems, but uh, but he's he's weak and recovering. So, anybody else something to pray about? Uh, uh, Rebecca James' mother goes in this Friday for the results of the PET scan. So it's a key moment for her. Yeah, a key moment. So anybody else, something to pray about? I just want to say I'm to kids who are going to school. That's, yeah. I feel like there's no resources there. And also for teachers, I had a friend who mm -hmm. quit. Mm -hmm. He didn't feel yeah. safe. But then within four hours, he had a job. Yeah. Not okay. Yeah, pray for uh, students and teachers and moms and dads and what's happening with the family uh, in our nation, our schools, all those things, so, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this gathering tonight. It's good to be back um, uh, among the mostly masked and a few unmasked, and I don't care. I'm just glad to be here. So uh, I thank you for these Wednesday nights, and I look forward to Sunday. It's been a long time. It's been, it's been a long time since I took uh, communion with my brothers and sisters here. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Chris. Uh, grateful for the study on Revelation. And uh, I asked you a long time ago to, you know, as you would reveal your mysteries to me, and and you have. And sometimes I wish you didn't. But uh, I, I'm 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 grateful. You know, what's uh, what's the scripture with? With knowledge comes much sorrow. So sometimes we wish we didn't know some of these things, but uh, um, I'm grateful for truth. 
good that does set us free. And so I, I pray your blessing over everybody here, over everybody online. I'm grateful for uh, for Zoom and, and uh, 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 FaceTime and all these things that we, it's like the Jetsons. It's just incredible uh, the ways we have to communicate and, and keep kind of in community. And, and boy, I miss that. I, grateful for those those online things but it's just not the same so uh, thank you for Chris and the work that he puts into uh, delivering the messages here and the time he takes to explain uh, and to bring things into a time frame and to tell what was going on when something was written and put everything into context so that we don't walk out of here and uh, misquote something, you know, which which I think all of us have probably done at times. So, uh, thank you for this roof over our heads. Uh, tough time in the nation right now with COVID and with a uh, crazy election coming up and a lot of a lot of things going on. We're seeing more and more ladies at the pregnancy center who are abortion-minded, big time. Uh, they're scared. And so I just lift all of them up to you. And I'm grateful for all of the ladies that are there that um, are client advocates and counselors and, and to, to there to love on these, uh, these young ladies when they come in um, with their unexpected pregnancies. So uh, a lot to be thankful for. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful and I love you. We love you collectively here and uh, put all this at your feet in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. Sure. Thank you. Everyone online, thank you so much. Uh, Denise, we will um, look at the last section of Revelation 19 as that feeds into 20. Uh, that's a critical block on what's going to happen at the end. So uh, that'll be important. Thank you all, all of you. Blessings. So good to see you and look forward thank to you. seeing you Sunday. Thank you, Jennifer. Bye. See you.